on this episode of the Oklahoma Breakdown with Hiker and Layman presented by Riverwind Casino. Order Moser drops by to talk all things OU basketball. We discuss three Sooners being invited to the NFL Combine, and we give you our winners and losers of the week. Please download and subscribe to the podcast. Rate it five stars and write us a good review. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. Just search Oklahoma Breakdown on any of those, and you'll find us. All right, our man Michael Hosty will kick this thing off. It's time for the Oklahoma Breakdown. It's beautiful Wednesday, February 14th, and you're listening to the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Layman presented by Riverwind Casino. Riverwind is Oklahoma City's premier casino experience, and there are so many reasons why Riverwind is consistently voted OKC's number one casino, but it all starts with their amazing variety of gaming thrills and excitement. Riverwind's beautiful award-winning environment plays host to more than 2,800 of the latest electronic games with a huge selection of table games, including Blackjack. Blackjack match, roulette, and Teddy's favorite, craps. No matter what your game, Riverwind has it in spades and hearts. And to learn more about their gaming promotions and entertainment options in the month of February, all you got to do is visit Riverwind.com. Riverwind Casino, simply the best. Now recording this Wednesday morning, please leave us a five-star review and a nice comment. Also, if your business wants to advertise on the podcast, Please email us at theoklahomabreakdown at gmail.com. Happy Valentine's Day, Ted. Yeah, what a day, right? Big, big day in the layman household or no? Oh, yeah. Making sure we get uh, off to school in the morning with all the Valentine's Day uh, essentials, which we failed in that regard. Mm. Missed oh, no. the teacher's Valentine's Day present, but we'll deliver that at pickup today. Okay, so it'll just it, it. You didn't forget. You just didn't want it to be With in the bundle else. of all the other ones, yeah. right? That's that, right? That way, your son stands alone. That's smart. That's that's high level parenting, my friend. That's how we planned it. That's how we planned it. My, it is one of my favorite things we do. I, I think some people get very stressed by Valentine's Day. It's simple. Same tradition continues. My wife and I, we go eat burgers and fries. It's what we nice. do. It's how we roll. That's our Valentine's Day tradition. The the two children now join us. It's it's stress free, baby. I love it. That's good. That's good. I like it. So hope everyone had a good Valentine's Day, or we'll have a good Valentine's Day out there. Don't get too stressed. It's not that serious. It's a made up <laughs> holiday. It's made up. <laughs> Let's jump into though you football stuff, Ted. And really one main thing to talk about three Sooners, only three, invited to the NFL Combine. NFL released their list of, you know, 300 and whatever players that have been invited to the Combine in Indianapolis. Three OU guys are Tyler Guyton, Andrew Rame, and Walter Rouse. 
when you saw the initial list, Ted, what what was your reaction? Well, at first I was I was kind of surprised. I was like, just three? And then as I thought about it for a second, I was like, well, I mean, kind of actually makes sense. You know, a lot of the guys that maybe we we would have expected to be there ended up staying a little bit different than maybe some other teams across the country where they had high number of juniors leave. So um, it's a low number, but I, I guess I'm not that beat up about it because we got a bunch of guys back that you thought maybe we're going to be going. So I guess we ended up uh, on the good side of that. It's a, it's a rough day for the, we need to replace Bill Biedenboe crowd. Yeah. <laughs> right. I I think it it does speak to Bill's ability to develop offensive linemen and the reputation that OU linemen have now. Uh and I, I think that's extremely valuable. I was I wasn't surprised that all three of those guys got invited. I expected all three of them to get invited, and I expect all three of them to get drafted. Now, Guyton clearly is kind of in a different category right now when you talk about possibility of being a top 15 pick. And I think his stock can, will only go up more as he goes to the combine and tests. And he is he's also a very likable guy when you sit down and talk to him. So I think the interview portion of things, I, I don't think that's going to hurt him at all. I am interested to see how Rain and Rouse test, especially Rain. Like I, I'm, I always going back and thinking to Creed Humphrey. I always told people, "Hey, man, he's more athletic than he looks. Just trust me. They just didn't put him in many situations where he could show that athleticism. Right? They don't run a bunch of outside zone. They don't pull the center very often. And, and I think the same thing applies to Rain. I just I'm really interested in seeing what type of athlete he is. Like he's got the toughness. He's got the, he's got a good mentality, but you have to be a high level athlete now to start along the offensive line in the national football league. And I, man, I'm really interested to see how he tests. Yeah. I, I guess, you know, he's, he's battled some injury stuff. Was it lower back uh, stuff whenever he's at OU at times and felt like some, like a couple years in a row, he wasn't able to fully, uh, you know, go through strength and conditioning stuff through the off season. So feels like he's been a bit healthier and should be in a good spot. And, you know, hopefully he tests well. I, I think like, I'm, just, I'm really excited about Tyler Guyton's numbers when they see him run and move. Uh, you know, it wasn't very long ago. The guy was playing tight end, which tells you, you know, the athleticism that's, that's there underneath everything. So uh, I imagine his, I, I saw, I think today had him going early 20s somewhere to the Texans. And I think whenever he starts throwing up some of those measurable numbers at the combine, I have a feeling that's going to trend in a different direction. I, I, I feel the same way. But I also think we get so caught up in you know, how fast some of these offensive tackles run. I really don't think it matters that much. It, it's all about the way that he moves. And you don't have to watch many snaps to go, that guy 
is an elite mover at his size. That guy is a left tackle athlete in the National Football League. You probably come to that conclusion in about five clips, maybe three. I mean, it's not. I agree, but the the fact remains, though, is it has a massive influence on where guys are drafted. Yeah, you know, like you look at Lane Johnson. Lane Johnson went from you know, I a guy that was going to get drafted somewhere to oh my god, look at those numbers and. He went off the board really quickly, and you've talked about there's a lot of really good tackles in this draft, and if you've got all those guys like really close, and then you've got one outlier athletically, I mean, that could be the tipping point. That is, and, and that is something that, you're right, it's going to be very important for Guyton because this draft is stacked at tackle. So guys in the first round, right? That are really good. If if he can go from someone's OT four to someone's OT two because of what he does at the combine athletically, that makes you a whole lot of money, man. Yeah. So I'm hoping that he goes there and crushes it. As far as Rouse, my expectation is that his, his testing numbers will result in more people viewing him as a guard, which I think is his position of the future. Now, maybe he's one of those utility linemen that can play all four, right? You feel good, especially with his intelligence. You feel good about him playing left or right guard or right or left tackle in a pinch. Those guys are extremely valuable to NFL teams. We already know he's going to absolutely kill the interview process and the wonderlick and all that stuff. But... I just, I, I've never thought he is a fast, twitchy type of athlete. So he's another guy that I am absolutely going to be locked in what that 40 time looked like, what that pro agility time looks like, because my assumption is those numbers are going to say, oh, yeah, this guy is most likely a guard moving forward. But we'll see. Maybe he's yeah. a blazer and I just don't know it. Yeah. Well, I, I don't. I really don't know either. You know, I think it is anytime you got a guy like him that's played some incredibly consistent football for a long time at multiple places, I think you kind of know what you get. But again, I he's he's probably going to be a guy that's middle of the pack numbers wise. But you know, I there's guys like Guyton that are trying to throw some outlier numbers to go up and then there's other guys most other guys are trying not to have outlier numbers to where you stick out in a bad way and that's probably one of those things where you just go out there do your thing don't have any mistakes uh just show that you're a good all-around athlete that's probably where rouse falls just don't just don't fall on the ground (laughs) (laughs) right keep your feet that was that was my whole thinking just don't fall down don't fall down don't fall down but yeah, I'm excited for those three guys. Uh, but it does lead to an interesting conversation, right? Only three. Yeah. Straight up, I don't know how else to say it other than that's not good enough for Oklahoma. And, and I know there's been, there's a lot that has happened over the last couple of years. I fully understand that when it comes to the coaching change 
how many guys left. I, I get it. But if OU wants to compete in the SEC, this number of combine invites needs to be in the 7 to 10 range every single season. That That's just, it's just the truth. No matter what the circumstances are. Three guys getting invited to the combine for Oklahoma is just not good enough. And we are we are now entering a phase where the roster is completely Brent Venables guys. Ted, they can't have a year like this again. Because, let me make it very clear, every team that is recruiting a player that Oklahoma is also recruiting will mention this. Oh, you're considering Oklahoma. You know they only sent three guys to the combine. That's that's an issue. And I, I think that Venables and the staff have done a good job of upgrading the talent. More size, more length, more speed. But Ted, you, you cannot you cannot have another year like this. Or else it becomes a very easy weapon for schools to use against you. And that can't happen. Yeah. No, I, I agree. I agree. Um, I think next year should be probably be a, a much better year. I mean, depending on how things go, you could have uh, you could have wide receiver. You could have – you're definitely going to have defensive guys. So uh, – but it is – it's it's the ultimate truth. I mean, it's – it's just the overall sign of what your roster is like. And if you just are barely sending a couple of guys to the combine each year, it's it's not a good overall representation of, of what your roster looks like. I mean, you're right. It needs to be I, – I think the seven number is pretty strong. I mean, I think you can fluctuate a little bit from that. But, you know, whenever you're coming off of a really solid year, which it's been a while, um, you know, we had a chance this year to have a really good year. Um, but when you're coming off of a really solid year, seven guys for a, a top 10 football team is about where it should be, right? I mean, you're, you're well, kind of right there in that world. You, you look at, uh, I would say, as this program transitions to the SEC, I, you, you probably look at it, and if you're being realistic as an OU fan, you're going, we're behind Bama and Georgia. But other than that, I think you view everyone else on the same level or below you. Now, maybe I'm wrong, but you've got Georgia sending 11 guys to the combine. Bama sending 10. LSU sending eight. A&M's even, they're sending five. And I don't think OU fans view A&M on the same level but they're sending more guys to the NFL Combine. So when you talk about the group you want to be with, that Bama and Georgia tier of the SEC, we're sending three. They're sending 11 and 10. So that's just, and it's only a few years ago where LSU sent, what, 16? And that's the thing. When you look at Michigan, right? National champs. Sending a record 18 guys to the NFL combine. 
Michigan has not out-recruited Oklahoma over the last three years. They haven't. You, you can go look at the rankings. They haven't. But what they've done is developed guys and sent them to the NFL. And finish seasons on a when you finish seasons on a high note, I you're more likely to have guys take advantage of that and they go off to the NFL. We finished on a poor note. And you had Dylan Gabriel, who would have been a combine invite transfer, Stutzman, who would have been a combine invite stay, Billy Bowman, who would have been a combine invite, he stayed. So I we need we need more presence there, but we also need to fend, uh, finish seasons on a good note to where your guys are getting high marks from people, and there's a feeling of Oklahoma sending some guys. It's just we haven't we haven't like had a send off moment yet, you know, that sends a bunch of guys off. Hopefully, this next year is a good one. But I mean. You can't argue with the numbers, right? It should be it should be pretty constant. When you look at the last three years, OU has sent 21 guys to the combine. That goes with that 7 to 10 number we're talking about. That's solid. But just, just to put it into perspective, it's a whole new world. Georgia has sent 37 over the last three years. Michigan sent 35. Bama sent 34. LSU sent 26. You know, Penn State, 25. Ohio State, 23. So there is, especially with that Georgia, Michigan, Alabama group, that's the group that Oklahoma football wants to be in. That's the expectation. Mm-hmm. So you just, you have to continue to recruit at a really high level. And I'll continue to say it. And I know there's an NIL piece to all of this, people. I I understand that, but it's just, it's exhausting to talk about and factor that in and factor that into the equation of putting guys in the NFL. I I don't really know how to do it. But you have to continue to recruit at an extremely high level. And the key for OU football moving forward is out developing everyone else. That appears to be what Michigan has been able to do. Yep. It seems they are developing players better than anyone else in the country, Ted. Yeah. That's where OU well, needs to get. Well, part of it is what reputation does your football program have? Right? Beanbow has a great reputation of putting good offensive linemen in the league. That's why every year you see guys get drafted, you see guys go to the combine. It's a it's a conveyor belt. It's constant for him. Outside of that, I, you know, when is the last time we've had a guy that that like outdid his recruiting ranking? You know, it feels like it's been a while. You know that we've had, you know, star players kind of emerge from the group, and I think I mean there's guys that are scattered in there, but it's not nearly enough, and. You could tell, like, the reputation of the program is in a not in a great place. And we've earned that by losing to teams that we should not lose to, by ending seasons, losing bowl games. I mean, it, it's it's all factored in. Now, whenever you 
you know, start ending seasons on a positive note, people talking positively about your program, not putting out six and a half, you know, game win totals for the next season. Like all of that perception becomes reality about your players and your program. Like that's why I've been like just banging on the table trying to say like we we've got to get better at winning tight games, winning with details, being a better all-around football team because at the end of the day it all it factors into everything no doubt and it it just makes you wonder you know you start thinking about everything with the football program when you see you know michigan getting 18 guys invited and oh you only getting three you start thinking about the schemes you start thinking about uh, strength and conditioning like how do you how does Oklahoma get closer to that number? Now, 18 is ridiculous. It's a record. A lot of the scheme. Uh, That's I, throwing RPOs every single play is not going to get guys to the NFL. So we can, we've talked about that a million times. But. Uh, we have. I think our position on the <laughs> RPO heavy offense is is known uh, by people who listen to the pod. I heard Jed Fish talking about it. Uh, Ari Wasserman. Our buddy Ari Wasserman interviewed him and he said, because he went out and hired Steve Belichick to be his defensive coordinator. He said, I want an NFL defense so that I can tell guys when I'm recruiting him, you are in an NFL defense. We are getting you ready for the NFL. And he said something to the effect of the NFL pays a whole lot more than NIL, which was a good line. I'll give him credit. But he said the same thing about offense. That's what we do on offense. We run an NFL offense. If you take our offense and you take some of our players and you go put them, I think he said the number was 17. I don't know where he came up with that number, but he said, you go put them in 17 NFL offenses right now, they're going to be able to speak the language. They're going to know what they're talking about. They're going to know the schemes. And I just sat there going, that sounds nice. I like the way that sounds. So I, I just don't know. I don't know where OU's at with that. I know that they're running an NFL-style defense with all the stuff they do. It's complicated. It's too much. I, in my opinion, it's too much. Cover one. Like, how many times did Arizona run cover one against us? A lot of times, Ted. Probably 90% of the snaps in that game. <laughs> Maybe more. You know, Some version of it. It's like, it's... I don't know. Not the day for that rant. I feel like we're we are we're taking a turd to negative town. I'm gonna get us back by talking <laughs> about the guys that didn't get invited. Wait, what? I'm not surprised that Drake Stoops didn't get invited to the combine. And this is something people need to understand. The NFL, and it sounds strange. They really do not care about your production in college. They care about your traits and how that projects to the National Football League. That's it. Now, there's they, they want to know about your character and all that stuff, but really what they care about is do you have high-end athletic traits that will help them win football games on Sundays. 
And Drake is a hell of a football player. But he doesn't have ideal traits you're looking for if you're an NFL team. With that being said, I expect him to get into a camp for the beat reporters for that team to go, Drake Stoops is just making play after play after play and for him to make a football team or at least a practice squad. That's what I expect. I'm not betting against that kid ever, ever. But I saw a lot of OU fans being like, how can Drake not get invited with the amount of production he has? It's because, and I know it sounds strange, they don't care about the production. It's about the traits. That's that's what the league is. I've I've heard multiple people say this, and I've stolen it over the year, over the years. It is a genetics league. That's what it is. It's the ultimate. How big are you? How fast are you? How strong are you? And Drake just doesn't check a lot of those boxes. But once again, I am not betting against that guy ever. I would venture to say it's a good thing he's not at the combine. I mean, does it, would it do him any good to be standing next to Marvin Harrison Jr.? (laughs) You know what I'm saying? It's like, I I think that, I think you know what you're going to get with Drake Stoops already. I'm sure people are going to come see him perform at pro day. I, you're not you're not drafted Drake Stoops or bring him on your football team for the measurables. We all know that it's it's the other stuff that you get with him. So um, now I think the interview process would be great for him, um, and I think eventually he'll get to that. But I'm with you i I don't have I don't have any worries about him ending up on a football uh, uh, an NFL team for training camp. None, zero. It's 100% going to happen. I've seen, I saw a mock draft that had him going in the fourth round, which I was shocked by that. But, you know, I, I'm not worried about it at all for him. He's going to have opportunity. I, there are plenty of guys that get drafted that don't go to the combine. Plenty of them. And Drake very well could be one of those guys. And this is something, because there's a lot made of the interviews at the NFL combine. That all takes place at the East West Shrine Bowl. I did it. It all takes place at the Senior Bowl. We both did it. So Drake went to the East-West Shrine game. I guarantee you, he met with damn near every NFL team and talked to him. You do a little speed dating. There's all these tables set up, and you just go team to team to team to team, and you talk to all the coaches. So he's talked to all the teams. They're well aware of who Drake Stoops is. Like That's... Mm-hmm. It, I don't think I'm with you, Ted. I don't think he's missing out on much other than a miserable couple of days at the <laughs> right. combine. But and, you know, it's nice to get the combine gear these days, right? That's and, true, uh, and all that stuff. But I, as far as what it means for him, I will be just fine. Rondell Bothroyd didn't get the invite. Isaiah Coe didn't get the invite. Not very surprised by either of those guys. Uh, when you think about Bothroyd, not a ton of production and just doesn't have the measurables for an edge player. And it actually made me think, and this is something you and I discussed before the season when we saw him in training camp. I believe I turned to you and said, 
that guy should just gain 30 pounds and play inside. <laughs> yeah. I, I thought that was the best thing for his football future. If he just would have gained a bunch of weight and played as a defensive tackle, like a three technique where his quickness would have been magnified a little more, but doesn't get the invite. And then co ton of production. I do think he has, he has flashes of NFL ability. Mm-hmm. He has flashes of NFL strength. It is a grown man's league. The consistency down in and down out, it just, it wasn't there. But I think there's going to be quite a few teams that will show up to Pro Day uh, to see his measurements and see what he does from a testing perspective. Yeah, I I think he's a, I think he's a guy that could end up testing well. I don't know for sure, but he seems to be a very quick twitch type of guy. Uh, he's looks really strong. Probably looks really good in a lot of those drills, moving through the bags and stuff. So I'm anxious to see what he does. Any other thoughts on the combine situation with Oklahoma? Now you've got me thinking about what the invite list for him could look like next year. I'm doing some of the math in my head. Yeah, it'll it, it could be it could be pretty. Th- I mean, a lot of it depends on. On what some product like if Nick Anderson has a big year, like it wouldn't shock me at all if he was the guy that you know goes to like because he's got the measurables, he's an NFL type body, like I, some guys like that. I think the wide receiver position, and I've got all the faith in the world in Emma Jones, I really like that guy. I think if they don't have three guys, three receivers invited to the NFL combine then it's a problem. Deion Burks, you talk about NFL speed. He should definitely be a combine guy. Andrell Anthony, he bounces back from the knee the way we expect him to. He should be a combine guy. And then you're exactly right. If Nick Anderson has another big year, he could be gone and be a combine guy. Maybe Farouk, I don't know. Maybe Farouk bounces back with a big senior season. But they should have at least three wide receivers invited to the combine next year. Yep. Yeah, no, I, I agree 100%. And you look on the defensive side, I, I I think with the right year, I think Ethan Downs could get uh, an invite. He needs to have he needs to have some good, consistent production there. Stutzman is a, is a yes. Bowman's a yes. And, you know, I mean, that's just kind of the baseline that you got right there. Uh, you should be... Dejon Terry... If he, oh yeah, if he improves the way that he should improve with another full off season, with the strength and size that he has, once again, it would be a failure if he's not at the NFL Combine. Trace Ford, no, not enough production. You got the injury history. Well, I think a couple guys, other guys in the secondary, have a good chance. You mentioned Bowman; that's a no-brainer. He'll be invited. Kendall Dolby was really, really good in the back half of the year at that nickel spot. And that's an extremely valuable position in the National Football League. Now, does he have an ideal size? Uh, Maybe not. One guy, if he can just stay healthy for a season, Gentry Williams, Mm -hmm. he looks like an NFL corner. Now, is he a three-year guy? I don't know, yeah. but there were flashes when he was healthy. 
there was times where I looked out there, I was like, I think he might be the best player on the field. Yep. Harrington? Stay healthy. I mean, he's maybe too many injury red flags. Well, if you put together a full season, you know, the the red flags kind of go away. Now, they're going to want to get you in and. I mean, it's almost more of a reason to invite you. If you go out there and have a great year, like they want to get the old MRI machine fired up, see see how put together you still are. <laughs> yeah, he's gonna have a he's gonna have a long medical check day there in Indianapolis. <laughs> I, I think we're missing the layup here. I'm not sure who it's gonna be. Wee woo, Spitzer Brown, Hatchet. I don't know. But an O lineman, Bill Beanbow is going to have an O lineman at the combine next year. I just don't know I who know. it is, but That's he's going to have one. The, it, it, he may not even be on the team yet. All right, may not even be on the team yet. So they should they should definitely be able to get to seven, if yeah. not more. And, and we'll see. Maybe they add. And the type of year you have, take some of those guys that maybe they do, maybe they don't, and they're into the yes category. If you have. Of college football playoff type of year. Yeah, if Sawchuck stays healthy, adds weight, has a massive season in his Thousand first season in the season. SEC, nothing preventing him from being a we we know when healthy, he's got real speed. There's nothing preventing him from him or Javante Barnes. From being NFL combine type guys. Yeah. So we've talked ourselves into seven to ten already. Look at us. The positivity. Boom. There you go. Let's get to call your shot. We asked you guys your reaction to OU having three guys invited to the NFL combine. This first one comes from Jeremy LaForce. He says, all offensive linemen. Beatenbow once again putting guys in the NFL. No defensive players is kind of scary. However, Billy and Danny would have been invited if they would have left early. It couldn't have made you feel good that there were no defensive guys. Especially with how improved they 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 were significantly improved on defense. Now, I don't think anyone would say they really finished the season strong, but yeah, not a single defender when Brent Venables is your head coach. Not what you're looking for. It's coming, though. It's coming. I mean, yeah, I, I wasn't sure. surprised because, you know, when Stutzman and Bowman decided to stay, I mean, you know, you're kind of, at that point, you're you're kind of out of guys that jump out right away. Ethan Down stays. So, you know, I, I do think that that next year you could open up the floodgates and – who knows who who arrives and has a big year, massive production. It doesn't take much. You go out and have six or seven sacks on the defensive line, which doesn't sound like a lot, but in college football it is. You go have six or seven sacks, you're going to the combine at a minimum. You know, so um I, I think next year we 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 should I'm cautiously optimistic that we open up the floodgates on defense. Yeah, maybe Willard, the transfer, just becomes a menace off the edge. And he's a combine yeah. guy. I don't, I, I don't know. But this other one comes from D Frank DLF. 
who says, aside from Drake, not sure why anyone is surprised that recruiting classes constructed by the previous staff have transferred, quit, or were never really developed to a large degree. This is exactly the year that would all sur- that would all surface. That's an interesting way of looking at it. It's true. I mean, you think about, I mean, all of the, how many guys are, are going to be drafted this year that transferred out? I mean, Caleb Williams, Spencer Rattler are the first two I think about is, um, oh gosh, the wide out that went to Arkansas. Theo Weiss, is he going to the combine? I don't remember seeing his name on there. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, there's, there's some guys that scattered a little bit throughout that, you know, would have been going and yeah, I, I mean, that's kind of the thing is we've been we've been a patchwork team the last couple of years. We've picked up, you know, transfer portal guys. And well, I, I, the guys that we've got in the transfer portal have have worked out really well. It, we haven't had just a a bunch of high level transfer portal guys, which is fine. Like, you know, we've still done done good in the portal for sure. I mean, uh, Eric Gray was a, was a guy that got drafted. You, you know, Wanya Morris, um, you know, the, the list goes on of guys that we picked up to the transfer portal, but the point is correct. Uh, and you mentioned it, all of Venables recruiting classes are about to start coming online. And this team is going to be Venables guys through and through. So you would hope that that starts to, is be the point you start kicking those guys to the NFL and you have a pretty steady group that that makes it. We'll see. We shall see. Let's talk some OU hoops. Did not go well in Waco last night, but that that's not going to prevent us from talking to our guy Porter Moser. But first, Love's Travel Stops is now offering a nationwide 10 cent per gallon discount on gas and auto diesel. Just download the Loves Connect app and scan your barcode at the prompt on screen and watch that price drop 10 cents per gallon. Across the country, the Loves Connect app unlocks exclusive deals can help any traveler plan their route or meal on the highway. So before you hit the road, be sure to download the Loves Connect app to save 10 cents per gallon and experience the country's best highway hospitality at Loves Travel Stops. Loves also has you covered if you forget your phone charger or headphones with their expanded mobile-to-go zone. And of course, don't forget to grab yourself some of that delicious Java Amore. And celebrate with a Schooner All-American Ale, the official craft beer of OU Athletics from Coop Aleworks. Named after the iconic Sooner Schooner that races across Owen Field after an OU score, you can join in on the celebration with an ice-cold beer from Coop Aleworks. You can join in at the Palace on the Prairie, at OU Athletic Events, at the bar, at the tailgate, and in the comfort of your own home. For more information on Schooner All-American Ale, visit schoonerl.com. Must be 21 to purchase. Please drink responsibly. Schooner All-American Ale, the taste of game day. And Simple Modern is an Oklahoma-owned company founded by former Sooners. Their mission statement is, we exist to give generously, and they've given millions away in product and donations to nonprofits all over the state and all over the country. Simple Modern is a great company with a great mission, and their products are also the perfect swag for any small business owner. You can customize tumblers, water bottles, and coffee mugs to give to current or potential customers. They will love the quality and how trendy they are. Check them out at simplemodern.com. All right, here's Porter Moser. 
It is our pleasure to be joined by the head coach of Oklahoma men's basketball. Porter Moser is in the house, coach. It's good to see you. I, I wish it would have gone better last night, but how we feeling, man? How we doing? You know, Gabe, it's good to be here, man. Get my mind going in a positive direction. That was a tough night last night. Uh, Baylor game was um, it was it was really tough. A lot of circumstances before, you know, with some injuries, and then we got in there, and man, I thought our guys were ready to play, and they were, and uh, we just hit a very very uh, hot playing Baylor team. They played great. I, I can't take anything away from them. we we needed to be better, but they were phenomenal. Yeah, you came out of the gates good. You know, it was a uh, highly competitive early, and they just, you know, before half they got on a run. They hit a bunch of threes in a row, separated a little bit, and then being on the road, it's just be difficult to claw that back. You know, Teddy, they they came out and we scored. They were in man to man. We scored our first three. I mean, bam, bam, bam. First three, three for three. We had seven points on three shots. And then they went to a zone, and we're usually really good against a zone. I mean, all year long, no one has zoned us more than three possessions in a game. And uh, they were really long, and then we started missing some shots. Our first three or four possessions, we missed some shots. And um, to their credit, I mean, but we we had opportunities in the zone. We got it going a little bit, um, but they just stayed in it. And, um, you know, so in a zone, you got to get it to the soft spots. you got to knock down some shots to loosen it up. And, um you know, one of the things that when we're really good, John Hughley plays the middle of our zone, and he's a, an elite passer, a big target. Um, just so happens the first any time that people go zone, he's out. Um, but uh, we got to move on. You know, they like we were right there. It was tw- it was twenty twenty, and they hit those threes and and got some separation, and we never could claw back and fight through and get back that back into that regional, uh, you know, single digits. Now the the result is clearly not what you wanted, but maybe the biggest thing to come out of the game was Rivaldo Suarez hurting that ankle late. Coach, can can you give us any type of update? I know it's only been what about twelve yeah. hours, yeah, since it happened. But uh, how, how's Rivaldo feeling right now? You know, obviously it was it was um, tough to see him go down. I, I, if you ask me, who's consistently been the best over the last seven eight games? You'd say Rivaldo. You know, off the bench, he's been almost double figures every day off the bench. He had 17 last night, um, his energy and defense. So, Gabe, it is a, it is a little early. We're going to evaluate him. I mean, obviously, we're doing everything, you know, icing it last night, um, doing all we can for him. So, we'll, we'll see. You know, it's it's still early this next day. You kind of wait and see by the end of the day where he's at. Um, but uh, we'll know more later today. How do you feel about where you guys are right now? Uh, kind of middle of the pack. I mean, just – it's it's just crazy. I mean, we talk about it every year. It's no surprise how good this conference is. But, you know, you guys are right there in the middle of the pack fighting in a good spot. You know, it, it feels like feels like you never know from one game to the next what could happen in this conference. I mean, you just see Kansas get cracked the other night. And, you know, it's just it's it's wild. So up to this point, how do you feel you guys are like in in the Peloton, I guess, as you guys are racing towards the finish? <laughs> yeah. I like the Peloton reference. Um, you know, it, it is crazy that this, this league is, um, and it's it's so well documented too, but it's to be in it, to know where these venues you're going to and how good the teams are. You know, the other day someone, it was a crazy stat. We, we, are, we were, I think, 15th in the country defensively like last week, which is out of 360 teams, 15th. We were seventh in the Big 12. <laughs> you're like, that doesn't even, that doesn't even make sense. You know, um, but, uh, you know, where we're at, 
is, you know, you you look at some of the analytics and where you're at with the with the net rating and getting in the, you know, you, we 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 want to still fight for a championship. You know, a lot can happen. We, I mean, going into last night, we were two games out. You know, you're, there's a lot that can shuffle um, <clears throat> with that. But you look at it, and on a normal year, like the winner in the second, third, fourth place, they're going to have more losses than probably any time in Big 12 conference running stand. And bottom line is, if you're in the middle of the pack, you could get a five seed. You could get a five seed in the tournament, which which puts you in great position to win a national championship, if, if you can do that. That's how strong the league is is if you can just fight and get in that middle. Not that that's where my standard is. All our guys, we've been talking about winning a championship. We're only two out. and uh, But that's the reality of how good the league is, is middle of the pack's probably a five seed. Yeah, and it, it may sound crazy, but winning the national title may be easier than winning the Big 12 this season. <laughs> when you, I'm telling you, I, I know a lot of coaches, I'll, I'll see them before the game, like, man, can't wait for the tournament to just get a different – a different style, a different, you know, a different level. Cause it's just been, it's just on here. There's I mean, just the, no nights off that I, I, you know, that kind of does build into something I want to talk to you about is it feels like, like the way the non-conference went, you guys were, were on a great role and this isn't just an Oklahoma thing, but when you get into conference play, it feels like the coaching and the playing is so good. Like whenever somebody finds maybe your weakness and you can't really develop around that. Like you're going to just get an onslaught of that from the rest of the rest of the conference. Like everyone figures each other out so hard, so quickly that maybe it's hard to make any moves. Unlike playing in non-conference. It is the coaching's elite. Um, the, the players are elite. And the other thing is the players are old, you know, this league, the ones that aren't old are lottery picks, you know, <laughs> like a Baylor, both, both, both those guys will be in the lottery. The two freshmen. And then you got a fifth-year senior point guard. You have a fifth-year senior other wing. And then, you know, you you combine, you know, some elite lottery guys with some age in this league. Like, look, next game is Hunter Dickerson, Kevin McCuller, yes, Dewan Adams. you got older, older guys. This league is old. That's why I think it, it, someone from this league, a lot of teams from this league, can make a big run in the tournament. It's like BYU. I think BYU is a team, when they get out, they get back, you know, in this conference tournament, they're hard to prepare for. They got, they're old. They got, they got a lot of pieces. There's a lot of teams like TCU's different. TCU's really old. Their average age is older than the Thunder, you know, and they're, they got a lot of pieces that if you're not playing these guys all the time or seeing them all the time, I think this league, there's a lot of teams that can make a run in March. So including clearly, us, including yeah. us. Yeah. Including the Sooners. Let's go. <laughs> now you, you look at the big 12 and everyone talks about how great the teams are. And then you look at the coaches. You know, you've got yourself who's had a ton of success, but you've got Kelvin Sampson and Scott Drew and Bill Self, and it goes on and on and on. How much fun is it for you, Porter, to to go against those types of guys, right? The chess match. It comes down to players executing on the floor. That That's what wins and loses games. But how much fun is it for you, to in, like, how, do you enjoy the chess match with some of the best in the business? Absolutely, the, the coaches in this league—it it, it, makes—it just makes you better. It makes you—you know—you're constantly seeing, and then you're watching what they do against other opponents. Like when you're playing, you know, you might be playing—you know, we we're playing Baylor. You're watching what Kansas was doing. You just see the different 
not only when you're in your own game, the chess match, you can see what they're doing against your opponents night in and out as you break down film with all these opponents, but it makes you better. Just like a player playing against better players makes you better. You know, same thing, the coaches in this league, um, the adjustments they make, the, the different things they do. And, um, but it's, it's, it's the best of the best. I mean, you look at how many coaches in this league, a lot of them went to the final four, a lot of them had ton. I mean, Scott and Bill won national championships. So it's a, it's a heck of a league. You know, you guys are deep in, it's about to enter the, uh, the backstretch here. So maybe it's a good time to kind of take stock. Like when you look at the season and, and think about, you know, preseason leading in, like where do you think you guys are maybe better than you expected? And where maybe are some some rough areas that you thought were, were going to be a little bit better? Yeah, good, good question. First of all, you know, before the season, they had us 12th. The Big 12, uh, everyone had us 12th. And completely not even on the, the grid to be an NCAA tournament team. Um, you know, what matters is in your own locker room. You know, also scheduling. Like, we had some really good wins early that the teams, when we played them, were doing great. Like USC at one point was fifth in the country. They have pros all over the place. That was a great early win. It was a top 25 win. It was a quad one win. Well, they've had some injuries and then they've tanked it. Arkansas, we played Arkansas and Tulsa. That was 13,000 Arkansas fans. And that at the time, Arkansas was, was in, in and out of the top 25. They've struggled. Providence lost their leading score. We beat them 21 when they had their leading score. They're still doing good. That's still a quad one win, but Bryce Hopkins was averaging 19 a game and he tore his ACL. Um, so now we get into league and we're, we're, we're right there. I mean, I think where we can do better, I don't think we've shot the ball as well as we could shoot the ball, you know, just consistently games where we have made close to 10 threes and or more. We've really won. Um, so I, I really think we can do an improvement shooting the ball. Um, I think that's a that's a big area I think we can get better at. We've been fortunate enough to stay healthy, um, and all of a sudden, just like that, it turned on us. You know, losing John, we don't know Rivaldo's status. I mean, yesterday, all the way up into the game, um, Jalen Moore wasn't even part of the prep. He was he had the complete flu Sunday, Monday, wasn't with the team all the way until the game, and he wanted to play. And you got to give the kids so much credit. He was like, I'm playing. But all, just like that, we've been really healthy. And all of a sudden, just like that, that's how health can take a turn too this late in the season. You you mentioned Jalen Moore, and, and he's a guy that over these last over about the last month, coach, he's really stood out to me. Yeah. Seems like the confidence is really growing. And we we all know the athleticism is there. But w- where have you seen his biggest growth as a player? The the attention to detail of some little things, like defensive schemes, like Sometimes he's, you know this, like so, sometimes you play with athletes that don't get their athleticism into the game, whether they don't play hard, they don't run hard, they don't compete hard. Jalen Moore gets every ounce of his athleticism into the game. He plays so hard, he runs, he blocks, but sometimes he's going on adrenaline. I've seen him, his mind slow down a little bit, and he's getting some, you know, defensive positioning things, offensive things. He's he's getting the, the, the IQ part of it in there because it's slowing down for him a little bit. And uh, that's where I've seen his growth. His shot, you know, is, is I think at Georgia Tech, he made um, just a couple threes. I mean, he's upward of close to 20 this year. I think, you know, our staff has put a little lot of work and he's just lived in that gym. I think he's made strides with his shot as well. But you love him, man. You got it. You will love this kid. It's every day he brings it in practice. 
enthusiasm. And that that's our guys were sitting there like, man, we need we need him for the Baylor game. Um, and to his credit, not a lot of guys would have played last night. That's how that's how rough he was doing with the flu. Yeah, he's fun. I mean, he's my favorite. He's spring loaded, and you never know whenever he's going to come flying out of nowhere, grab a rebound, and finish it. Um, CJ McCollum, you know, DJ he, McCollum. <laughs> he's been he's been up and down, and um, I I messed that up. Sorry, JV on McCollum. Dude, sorry. if we had CJ McCollum, we'd be in good I, shape. I know. He he's he's had some uh, like up and down. Is, is is it has that been confidence? Has that been maybe some scheme stuff you guys are seeing? What's kind of gone on with that? You know, I think it's the uh, it's you see the natural progression of some guys going up and down. I will say this: he's doing what he needs to do to keep fighting through it. He comes every day, works hard. He's in the gym. Um, he's he's completely locked in on game plans, things we're trying to do. So all that is you can check it. And uh, it was great to see him hit his first three last night, um, and he got going a little bit, but then. Um, but we, he's the good thing about it is we're right there. And I think not only him, but a handful of guys, I think feel like they can, they can play, you know, take a step up from the way you're playing. And, uh, we're all in with them and helping him to get through it. Um, but he's done a lot of good things too. I mean, sometimes everyone looks at his, you know, the shooting part of it, but, um, you know, I think he created some shots for some other guys last night, but, um, we're we're really confident that I think he can if he gets going right down these these last six, that really helps us and we need it. Depending on Rivaldo and John being out, um, I totally assume Jalen Morris will be back. I mean the flu is, is twenty four hours. I think he's feeling better already this morning. So, but uh, we're gonna need JB on just and a couple other guys like Otega and Los really to step it up if, if Rivaldo's out. You guys have had a couple rough patches in conference play. And it feels like everyone in the Big 12 has had a couple rough patches. But you've done a good job of bouncing back when you need to bounce back. Yep. So, Coach, what do you think is the key uh, to bouncing back from this uh, from this performance against Baylor with Kansas coming to town this weekend? We, we said that to him as we landed last night. We were all pretty down. And that's what our message was. You know, we didn't play as well as we wanted. Baylor played really well. We just won two in a row. That's the way this league is. Kansas just got knocked down. You know, who's going to dust it off, bounce back up, and be ready to go again? And um, that's going to be the key in this league because it's, I, I mean, especially for, for where, and all of us stand in the same spot, but like ESPN ranked the toughest remaining schedules. We have the number one ranked schedule remaining. Oh, congrats. Nice. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, it's the number one remaining schedule. Uh, having to go to Iowa State, Texas, Kansas, Baylor. But you know what? opportunity man any one of these wins are going to be on that board and say there's great wins on selection sunday so that's opportunity but what our message last night when we landed was you guys you know we got we're right there we didn't play well but we've been through this man you can't you we gotta it, it's the next one up next one up who's getting ready who's getting their minds right their bodies right to compete mentally emotionally again especially when you get knocked out yeah, and next one's going to be at home. That's going to be a fun one. Uh, it's going to be awesome. You guys have had some awesome home environments here recently. You think uh, is the Red Solo Cup situation going to continue? Going to have one on the there on the sideline? Is that going to be your your uh, your receptacle of choice? You know what, that Teddy, I, I think that I, I think why not? I mean, I, I, that's a great call. Uh, I thought that was really cool. I mean, watching the tape, like in the moment, 
you know, I, it's funny because I never really hear songs that are going on. And I didn't, heck, I didn't even know. I remember after the first game when they turned the lights off, someone goes, that was cool. They turned the lights off. I go, they turned the lights off. When did they turn the lights off? I'm like, <laughs> I'm in, I'm in a 30 second huddle. I'm not thinking like that. I don't even know. Um, but I, I will tell you this. There were a couple moments that I caught everybody singing to a Toby song. And I don't know what it was that made me just like hear it. And then when I watched the tape, I saw it. It was it was emotional to see that. Um, but uh, that was a great promotional idea with Red Solo Cups. And um, heck, I might again. And, and I will, for everyone who's asked me now, I'll just clear the air. It was water in my Solo Cup. I mean, I had a million uh-huh. people ask me, I'm like, what do you think I'm going to have there on the sideline? I'm not trying to get fired. <laughs> an hour uh-huh. and a half after the game, I could give you a different answer. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, uh, I mean. We're all going to miss the big guy, especially I know you you and him had a good relationship. And I, I do hope that continues because, Coach, seeing that video, I wasn't able to be there in person, but seeing that video, it, it was it was awesome. Chills. Chills, man. Yeah. Now, this is the last one I've got for you. I've never coached, uh, so I, I've clearly never been in this situation like you have, but does it feel good when your name is connected to all these different jobs or is it annoying or is it a little bit of both? Because these last couple of years, there's been multiple openings where it's like, Oh, Porter Moser would be a great fit. I mean, it makes all the sense in the world. Does that, does that annoy you? Is it flattering? Like how, how do you handle it? There's two things. I don't, I don't enjoy it. It's not like, but I will say this. Um, it's a little annoying. Cause I like, I, I, I've worn my love for being here at Oklahoma on my, on my, on my heart, man. I love this. I know where I want to go with this. Um, you know, if, if you really want to be real, is it, if you're, if you're two and 25, they're not mentioning your name. If you've got no history, if you've got no history of any success, they're not mentioning your name. Um, but it is because it's so much rumor. It's so much rumor now. And it's stuff to talk about. Like it's not even been a conversation like with me, with anything. And it's just strictly on, man, I feel one, you know, now we got some work to do. We're three games out to win a championship, but we were, you know, right there. And you got a good chance to have some guys like finish this year on a great run. And then you got a good chance to have a, like maybe for the first time since you've been here, like some carryover on your basketball team and have a bunch of returners next year. That's huge too. I mean, when you start talking about the landscape we're in, retention is just so big. And, you know, obviously we're more athletic. We had a little bit of NIL this year and we got to keep growing that. Um, But that's the thing. Like sometimes this portal, and this could be a whole nother podcast, you guys, but sometimes the portal, it goes so fast. And I've been so relational in recruiting in my 30 some years in this thing. And because it's about building culture. And sometimes the portal goes so fast, you can't, it's hard to build total relationships in that portal because it becomes a little transactional. But I'll tell you this at my core, it doesn't mean when they get here, you can't have a foundation that's relational, that you're still in this, in this to develop young guys, to, to relationships, to bring the most out of them, to have a culture where everyone's fighting because I've, I've talked to some, some programs that aren't in the hunt and, it, and it's it's tough. Guys are trying to get their numbers. Try guys are doing this. You see in NBA teams that they're not, they're not in the running guys are trying to get their numbers for the next contract and you don't ever want to be led in that direction. And I know that's not where we're at. Our guys are so locked in on winning, so locked in on playing for Oklahoma. doesn't always go right every night, especially in the league we're in, 
But in terms of trying to do it the way we want to do it with unbelievable dudes that are that are that are hopefully having a an experience that will have relationships for the rest of your life, that's what you can't change. The process of recruiting might is definitely changed, but once they get here, it doesn't have to change. If you build in and build a culture of 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 where winning and relationships matter, because then that's what's going to win. That's awesome. People, get out to the Lloyd Noble Center on Saturday. This team needs you. Let's go, coach. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you. You're the best, man. Appreciate the time. All right, guys. Take care. Boomer. Let's finish up with our winners and losers of the week. But first. All you grill masters, listen up. Didier Ranch delivers premium quality beef that is 100% raised in Oklahoma right to your front door. Go to DidierRanch.com, D-I-D-I-E-R, Ranch.com to order one of their premium quality beef boxes and use promo code OKLAHOMA15 for 15% off your order. Filet, ribeye, New York strip, sirloin, steak burgers, they got it all and they ship anywhere in the continental U.S. And Oklahomans get their deliveries in just one to two days. The only thing better than having a lot of premium beef on the O&D line is having premium beef delivered right to your front door. Didier Ranch, tradition tastes better. And head to the garage for hand-smashed patties, butter-toasted buns, and some ice-cold beer. It's the perfect spot to watch any big game. And with all the garage locations being open at 10 p.m. or later every night, it's the go-to late-night spot. Visit eatatthegarage.com to find a location near you and order online from the garage in your neighborhood. As always, Ted, kick us off. Who do you have as your winner of the week? Well, the game did not go as we wanted, obviously. We've touched on that. But the Austin Sachs moment was pretty cool. Uh, The walk-on at Baylor. Where you're giving your winner of the week to the Baylor walk on who hey, by the way, not a walk on anymore. Scholarship. Not a walk on anymore. Scholarship. The way they presented that was really cool. Jay Billis there doing the uh what the 90 and 90 and, and announcing that all the teammates were there. And then you you cut to the game late, about what minute or so left. He gets in the game, roar from the crowd. They find him for that three. He was just unsure if he wanted to pull the trigger and then ended up getting it up and and nailed it. Game was decided at that point, but still a cool moment when you see a guy that grinds a walk on and uh, you kind of get to have a day out of nowhere that you weren't expecting where you're kind of the star of the, of the show, so to speak. So I thought that was pretty cool. You're getting soft in your old age. Yeah. How dare you care about the other team? What is wrong? No, it, it was cool. It, it, I'm just going to be real. I was sitting there and I just watched the thunder handle the magic. I was feeling good. I was having a good basketball night. And then that game took a turn quickly in Waco. It It did. And that, it kind of felt like salt in the wound. Is that wrong of me that that's how I interpret it? I, Instead of being excited for him, I was sitting there going, of course. Of course, that's what happens. Of course, this guy has that moment against us. That's Yeah, I mean, there's some truth. I felt like a victim, Ted. I I would have felt differently about it if we weren't down 20 at the time. That's fair. You know, (laughs) that that kind of took the, uh, maybe that I I had already, uh, entered a new phase of coping with the loss. You you were already in the acceptance phase. Got it. 
I think so. I think so. Uh, but you know, cool moment to. Uh, I I can't imagine checking into a game like that, and knowing that everyone wants you to hit the three, expects you to hit it. Like we need this cool moment. The pressure's on. I mean, it's the it's the highest pressure three pointer whenever you're up twenty that you can have, and and he made it, so it was pretty cool. How cool was it from the camera angle? What'd you think? I told you. I warned you. I knew it was in as soon as it hit the peak of the shot because I was looking down into the basket. I could see he was going to make it. <laughs> Built that beautiful arena, and that's what they decided. Oh, I don't know how that happens, but I I can't believe that's who you picked. But I'll allow it. It's your winner of the week. I'll allow it. Sorry. Who do you have as your loser of the week? I don't know who to really credit this with, but the talk of expanding the NCAA basketball tournament. It's 68 teams. There's nobody anywhere that is asking for more teams in March Madness. It's just not a thing. And it goes back to what I always say. They do not give a shit what you think. They don't care what the consumer thinks. The people that are watching, they don't care at all. All they care about is finding ways to generate more money. I've never heard. I talk sports all the time. I do it for a living. I also do it with friends. Never once has anybody ever said, you know, if they just had more teams in the NCAA tournament, it would be a better product. Nobody has ever said that. Yet they're determined to add more teams to the to the NCAA bracket, and it's going to happen. It's an inevitability. There's no amount of, of people saying, no, bad idea, don't need it, don't water it down. It's great the way it is. Doesn't matter how many people say that. It's about the dollar, and they're going to do it. They're going to expand it. How big? I don't know, but... Ultimately, it's probably going to end up hurting the smaller schools. If they take away the, take away the automatic qualifiers, you know, that get in by winning their, their conference tournaments and, you know, the long shot goes in and wins the conference tournament, get that automatic qualifier. Like, I don't know how they do it, but the fact is they want to let more bigger name teams in that are attached to bigger fan bases. That's what it is. I don't think, I think it would be a massive, massive, massive mistake if they took away the automatic qualifier portion of it where if you win your conference tournament. I, I, I can't imagine they're going to do that. I, I think you're right when it comes to they want more big-name schools, and I think they're just going to do more at-large bids. You know, teams that are... do that, though? Without, teams that would normally have been the bu- on the bubble and sweating it out on selection Sunday it's like hey you're just you're in now is it just 
they're gonna there's gonna be more like playing games. Is that how you think it's gonna be? Like how we have the sixty eight now to get to sixty four? Is that what it's gonna be? No, I think and I'm not good enough at the math. I think there's gonna be a complete new side on each side. To get to sixty four. It's 128 teams, right? That's what math says. I mean, why? What? The, I've heard some people say 96, and once again, I don't know how that works on the bracket. Do you get a, a buy if you're a one seat? I don't know. But yeah, maybe it's just more playing games. 96 makes that's going to be what it is because we can't go triple digits. Triple digits just makes it feel like there's too many teams. 96, yeah. you know, you could you could swallow that. Idiots. I, but ultimately, it's I, it's about you, revenue. Yeah. Have you ever heard anyone suggest there should be more teams? No. And I think the funniest thing is the finals is already in April. It's March Madness, and the finals are in April now. I know. Which is silly. It's just funny. But... I'm still going to watch. I'm still going to watch, man. I wish I could say, oh, this is stupid. Like, We're all still going to watch it. And a bunch of us are all still going to bet on it. I'm still going to watch it. I mean, you have to. It's on. What else are you going to do? But the interest level really trails off. And the reason it trails off is because everyone in the country has their bracket. Right? And after the first weekend... 90% 90% of people's bracket is ruined. And if your bracket is ruined and you're not someone that watches college hoops, well, you're not interested anymore and you don't watch. So that's why it all falls off. I've always said they need, it needs to go straight through. All right. As soon as like you check out and everyone checks out and does something else, like if your bracket's done, you're not coming back to watch the, you have to, like keep it moving while everyone's interested and you have somewhat a captive audience. As soon as everyone's brackets busted and the people that aren't like fans of the sport, they're gone. You have to do it all while they're, they're interested. If you want the ratings, you know, but I don't know. That'll never happen. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm shocked that you didn't have Tiger Woods in that Sunday red gear as your loser of the week i don't want to talk about it it's the most disappointing thing ever how they made sunday into two words i i know i I don't and i heard the guy explain it from taylor man he's like there's there's power in threes i was like what the hell are you talking about dude there's power in a great logo (laughs) and there's the i it's the it's the Easiest layup of all time. The most popular golfer in history. One of the most popular athletes in history in a sport that nobody typically cares about. Everyone knows who this guy is. Everybody knows who he is. And it's not an iconic brand. It's the biggest flop I've ever seen in my life. And it makes me sad. (laughs) All they had to do. They had a lot of options. A silhouette of him winning the Masters. There's a lot of great options. It's all you had to do. And that stuff, I still think they're going to sell a lot of it. But 
They just overthought it. Oh, the 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 tiger has 15 things for the 15 major like No one cares. We just want a cool Tell logo. The putter and a fist pump. That's all you got to do. That's, That's all it. you have to do. <laughs> That's all you have to do. And I would have bought it all. I would have treated it just like the Jordan logo. Just like it. But they went with the back vertebrae fused tiger. Okay, here's what I was wondering. Is it the is it was it the ultimate uh superstar surrounded by yes men? Like is this like he thinks that he's the smartest guy because he's the best golfer and there's got to be over- some of that. With some of the choices Tigers made over the years, got to be some of that, right? You got to feel a certain yeah. way. Um I don't know, man. I would not say that it was it, from the people I've talked about it with. We were all so excited. And it was such a letdown because remember that logo got leaked and you and I, we were texting about it. There's no way. There's no way. That's it. Like there's no chance they're messing with us. And <sighs> they weren't messing with us. It's not good. Just had to do the silhouette. That's it. And it flies off the shelves flies it's that not being said the shoe the shoes look pretty good. good the shoes look pretty good the you, logo it is just matter, though the logo's bad man it's bad maybe it we're in the minority maybe people love it maybe we're wrong no. okay there's good. nobody that loves it there may be liars out there that say they love it fair enough but nobody loves that i'm sorry i brought it up but i really <laughs> I, I like to i like to guess who your winner and loser are going to be? Would you text me? I, I didn't even want to look at the text message. And like, I don't want to listen to that video. I don't want to talk about it. I just want to move on as if it never happened. There's this <laughs> guy. They're doing this Q and A, and this guy is just babbling the entire time. And Tiger Woods is Tiger freaking Woods is just sitting on a stool next to him, really not saying anything at all. And I'm watching all these videos going. Would you please shut up and let Tiger Woods talk? I want to hear Tiger Woods, not you, buddy. I was waiting on Tiger to say, well, I wanted to go with the fist pump uh, icon, but, you know, they didn't want to do that. I got overruled. I say, (laughs) no, damn it. I will not buy any of that. I'm not going to until they change it. I say we all boycott it. They know they fouled up. Let's just. We'll press them on it, and they'll change it and do the right thing. Okay. I I will stand arm in arm with you, brother. <laughs> Let's get to my winner and loser. I'm sorry I brought it up. I know it makes you mad. I'm sorry. Let's get to my winner and loser. But first, attention business owners. You need Insurica in your life. Insurica is one of the country's largest insurance brokers with 30 offices throughout Oklahoma, Texas, and the Southwest. Insurica is able to customize programs by accessing the latest information from many insurance carriers. They compare and contrast coverage offerings and pricing in order to design a cost-effective comprehensive program to meet your business's specific needs. If your business partners with Insurica, you'll save huge amounts of money and take control, take back control of your total cost of risk. If your business wants to be best in class, Connect with Insurica at insurica.com. That's I-N-S-U-R-I-C-A dot com. 
and head to opolisglot.com for our podcast merchandise and the best OU gear. The out Tiger there. Woods thing has you all messed up. You can't it even does. speak anymore. <laughs> it does. Don't buy any Tiger Woods gear. Head to Opolis. That's O-P-O-L-I-S clothing.com. Use promo code TED, T-E-D for 10% off. That's opolisclothing.com. Use promo code TED for 10% off. Buttery soft and 10% off. Easy winner of the week for me this week. Give me the Oklahoma City Thunder. Went down to Orlando. Beat the Orlando Magic 127-113. Jalen Williams, J-Dub, is so good at basketball. That's my analysis. Dude, he continues to just get better and better. And maybe there was a little extra motivation in that one for him. National TV game. They don't have a ton of those this year. But you got a national TV game. He lost rookie of the year to Paolo last year. He was he was so good in the fourth quarter. He is he's their best player in the fourth quarter. He's turned into Miss Mr. Fourth Quarter for this yeah. team. I think he had what 17 in the fourth. And his improvement and the way that his confidence is growing, Ted. This guy is this guy's he's unreal. What size? All NBA, really? Yeah, I mean, it would it shock me if he made All NBA, like third team All NBA next year, or the year after? No, not at all. I mean, he's got size. He's a good defender. His shot. I mean, we've talked about his jumper improving, shooting a three better. Guy can do everything. He can handle it. He is an all around player. I, I couldn't be more excited. I continue. I, I wake up every day and go, how did Sam Presti get Jalen Williams and Chet Holmgren in the same draft? My God. Oh, yeah. I just wake <laughs> up with a smile on my face. Yeah, he's he's an absolute stud. And I got to admit, I I didn't see it coming whenever the draft pick was made. Um, you didn't you have know, a lot of knowledge of Santa Clara basketball? What's wrong with you? I, I did not. I did not. Um, but I, I am pleasantly surprised and the kind of the arc that he's on the, it's almost like he's one of those guys that is still, you know, whenever you're like between like 16 and 18 years old, it feels like every time you go to the gym, you can see that you're getting, you're getting stronger and you can see like the muscle that you're adding. It's just like. You're going through such development. He feels like he's like on that type of trajectory right now. He's he's fantastic. And I, I think when you look at that game in particular, you know, Shea had a quiet first half. Missed some shots. And it didn't matter. The other guys on the team picked up the slack, leading it to half. And then, of course, SGA, he's one of the best players in the league. So good. Starts hitting shots in the second half. Drop, I think, 15 in the third quarter. Undoubtedly the best moment of the game. He does a step back. There's about two and a half minutes to go. Does a step step back in the corner. Nothing but net. Magic call timeout. He turns the crowd. He says, go home. Go home. <laughs> Gives him the thumb and everything. And it was even funnier because they were they were retiring Shaq's jersey after the game. Nice. First time they've retired a jersey in Orlando Magic franchise history. 
And Shea Gilgis Alexander. After the game, is that something you do after a game? It it reminds me of the college football teams that make the huge mistake of doing senior day after the game, and then they lose the game, and everyone's super <laughs> bummed out. Right. Yeah. It's just not a good choice. Do it before the game or at halftime. And Shaq was on the call. It was really cool, and he was hilarious on the broadcast and said some very complimentary things about the Thunder. But that moment. I think we got this glimpse of how Shea is wired and we don't get it very often. He doesn't show emotion very often at all. And there are a couple moments in this game where he gave you these glimpses of his intensity that maybe he doesn't show all the time. And it got me going, dude. I was like, yes, I, it just, it just, it made me think I already think he's that dude. But some of those glimpses, it made me go, this guy is, I mean, there's just no doubt he is, he's the real deal. He is a, he is a top five, top three player in the league. And when he showed a little emotion, you could just see, okay, yeah, that's, that's where it all comes from. It was, it was awesome. I was fired up, real fired up. That's good because there's going to be like, all, all that's going to have to come out in the playoffs. Right? For sure. Pressure's on and defense is tougher and, you know, going to be on the road in some crazy environments. So I like it. Yeah. Jet had five blocks. Not sure he gets enough credit for how disruptive he's been. Um, and th- this really impresses me for a guy who's playing his first season in the NBA. A lot of basketball players at all kinds of different levels your offense, how things are going on the offensive end can kind of determine how you're playing defensively. Sometimes you're not as locked in defensively if you're not getting your shots or your shot's not falling offensively. It doesn't seem to matter at all how things are going offensively for Chet Holmgren. He's contesting everything no matter what. And I I just think it says a lot about him as a player, Ted. I think it might be one of those situations where you know, you kind of lean into what you're good at and he knows that he can block shots and, and be a good rim protector. And it's probably something that it may be just be as easy as he enjoys it, you know, and, and, and that's a good thing. So that's, it's a good trait to have for sure. Thunder heading to the all-star break 37 and 17 two seed in the West reminder. They went 40 and 42 last year. Wasn't their win total like 44 to half or something yeah. to start the season? <laughs> going to blow that out of the water. But they're going to be well re- well represented at the All-Star game. Shea's a starter. Uh, J-Dub, Chet, and Casey Wallace all in the Rising Stars game. Just an extremely, extremely exciting. How many guys will be playing in the All-Star game next year? At least two. Maybe three. I don't know how Jalen Williams isn't. I guess it's only 12 guys. It's really tough, and it's really hard to have three guys from the same team, but I'd be really surprised if it's not Shea and Jalen or Shea and Chet next season. Especially if they make some noise this year in the playoffs. Yeah. And then they're in a similar spot in the standings next year at this time, then that's you're probably right. And and they're going to have a lot of national TV games next year. Mm Mm-hmm. And they have very few this year. On to my loser of the week. I'm going Fox, CBS, 
anyone other than ESPN that televises college football because of, according to Andrew Marchand, Marchand, ESPN and the college football playoff are in talks for a six-year, $7.8 billion extension that will make the CFP exclusive to ESPN through the 2031-2032 season. Now, I guess they can't get this deal done until all of the details of the college football playoff are ironed out moving forward. But, Ted, we thought this was something that may get bid out to different networks like the NFL playoffs are. But as things stand right now, looks like ESPN has full control of this 12-team playoff moving forward. What do you think? Um, I'm kind of shocked. Me too. I. It doesn't seem like the best way to maximize the revenue. However, Marshan did mention ESPN has the ability to sub-license some of the games. And, and remember, we talked about that sports streaming service that ESPN Fox and Warner Brothers are teaming up to create. Maybe they end up sub-licensing some of this stuff to their new streaming buddies. I, I don't know. Maybe that's how they make even more money. I, I don't know how it's going to work, but it does seem strange that it didn't get bid out to maximize the revenue. I, mean, I, I guess I can understand that if you're ESPN, you feel like you've got a tiger by the tail, right, with the college football playoff. And while you have the option – if you can keep it all yourself, you keep it all yourself. Like I, I kind of, I kind of get that, but I'm surprised that they didn't work a way out to to kind of spread it around a little bit. But you know, it's hard to know what goes on inside those meetings and and how it's all laid out. Like I don't know how it all works, you know, to begin with. But it's a lot of money and. I'm I just. I wonder what the revenue is. I know they're going to have to pay a ton of money to get the rights for it, but I wonder what the overall revenue numbers are going to look like post production. Whenever it's all said and done, like you sold all your advertising and and like whatever it is that you can generate revenue on. Wonder how much they make off of it. We'll see, but 1.3 billion a year for the college football playoff is a lot of cash. Yeah. So it is it's going to be interesting, but ESPN, despite Fox's best efforts, ESPN is the home of college football with yeah. game day. I would say Herb Street is probably the face of the sport. You got McAfee and everything that comes with him. And now they've got Saban on game day, and now they control the entire college football playoff moving forward. Like ESPN is, they're all in on college football. All in. Yeah, and it makes sense. I mean, it's still it's still the hub you go to on a Saturday in the fall to see what's going on. Now, you may go watch different games on different channels, but you're coming back to ESPN as as the hub, so to speak, as you mentioned. So nah, it's, it's been good for them. Don't screw it up. Birthday shout-outs. Happy fourth birthday to Everett Bubs Martin. 
Happy 16th birthday to Chloe Walker. And happy 31st birthday to Josh Curry. On that note, episode 396 in the books. We'll have a new podcast that'll drop on Sunday. Just a reminder, please subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. And please subscribe to our YouTube channel. Subscribing and liking and all that stuff. It's, it's, it's good for us, I'm told. Hope you all have a great rest of your week. Have an awesome weekend. And until next time, we appreciate you all for listening. Do what you always do, Oklahoma. Take care of each other. Just one.